0: Thanks always to this wonderful choir for your dedication. Some of you guys been up here a long time, you know that. <laughs> and still doing a wonderful job I, and I love it every time I have the chance to hear you. Uh, I'm going to uh just kind of highlight something that I came across in my, uh, in my bookshelf. Uh, this is the uh, Moore Memorial United Methodist Church Church Directory, and on the uh, flip side, you have the New Hope Church Directory. I thought that was kind of neat, the way that they did that back in that day. Um, but I got to looking through all the different pictures in the front and seeing some of the people. John Bailey laid out in a canoe, and Lot uh, Molly Robertson, and Benjamin on a sled, and all sorts of just pictures from, uh, from the church, and all the people, all these pictures of folks. Some of you look a little different, <laughs> I look a little different. Some folks have grown up, some folks we've lost, you know where their pews were, and we miss them, but they have certainly left a legacy for which I am thankful, for which I am thankful to have been a small part of, and I'm thankful that you continue that legacy today, and in days to come. You know, one of the, uh, I used to love this little story, you might remember it, one of the powerful figures on Wall Street fell in love with a actress, and for a long time, many months, he, you know, uh, squired her about town, and they were seen in all these fine places, and He just had really fallen in love with her. But just out of prudence, he decided that he should probably uh, check into her past and make sure that there was not anything that was amiss. So he hired a private investigator, and he began to look into her past and her associations. He came back with this report. He said, Miss Jones enjoys an excellent reputation. Her past is spotless. Her associates are irreproachable. The only breath of scandal is that in recent months she has been seen much in the company of a businessman of doubtful reputation. You know, I guess I've known a lot of characters through the years, but I've known very few people with real, genuine character. Characters are much easier to come by, scowling at you from behind a school cafeteria counter or growling at you across a line of scrimmage or screaming at their children or cutting you off in traffic. Talking behind someone's back, or vandalizing another school's bus, pressuring others to do what they know is wrong, or cheating on a pop test. Yes, unfortunately, characters are pretty easy to find, but real character, that's another thing. Some folks don't even know what it is. With respect, I'll leave Daniel Webster and Random House and Google and Wikipedia and all the other dictionary and academic people aside and borrow a definition from Dwight Moody, renowned preacher from over a century ago, to say that which I would first like to share with you today. Moody used to say that character is what a man or woman is in the dark. When no one else is looking, when no one else is listening, only the private thoughts and desires are known. That's what makes up character in a person. And no one knows the character better than the self. If you take, a look at the scripture passage for today it has that very familiar part that we're all well acquainted with john 3:16 but you follow that up with something about Jesus who comes into the world bringing the light. And that's where I want to uh, concentrate today. It begins at verse 19 in John chapter 3. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light. So that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light. So it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. We're not used to looking at that part of the passage. Why? Because it gives what I would say to you this morning. The this sacrifice of your personal integrity will undermine your effectiveness as a Christian faster than anything else. Now, you probably have seen Halloween masks over this weekend. Did, was the community celebration of Halloween last night? Is that something like that? Those of you who have children somewhere near around you, you know. Okay, the community deal was last night. Halloween's a great time for wearing masks. I remember, you know, at Parsonage, in Parsonage Housing, for years I've had children coming to my door. And, uh, and they would come and see us and they'd be wearing all sorts of masks. You don't see as many supermen anymore. You don't see as many batmen anymore, but maybe you're a spider-man or two or maybe even a caveman or a clown or rock and roll stars or animals or goblins and monsters. I even had Ma and Paul Kettle come to the parsonage door one time. Two of you laughed who remember Ma and Paul Kettle. I remember at a seminary party. Chad's probably seen some of these very fine costumes, my favorite was someone who came to the seminary Halloween party dressed as the breakfast table. And they had this big board that they wore, and it was covered with the red and and white checked uh, tablecloth, and it had flatware and dishes and everything. Another time that people wear masks, you may not know as much about it in North Mississippi. The further south I go, the more of Mardi Gras I see. And people wear masks at Mardi Gras, but why masks at Mardi Gras? Well, here comes Lent, right around the corner they say, one last ditch effort at all these major festivities before we start giving up things for Lent. But, oh, not, let's not let anybody know who we are. At Mardi Gras, the festivities are continuous, 24 hours a day, and the really big craziness happens at night in the dark. A lot of things happen in the dark. Youth directors know that. That's why they play that, uh, that game, uh, the hand check game in the church van riding along you know all of a sudden somebody hollers hand check and they turn on the lights and you know you're checking those kids in in the back row that's who you're worrying about what what they're up to turn on the lights and it illuminates everybody some are sitting playing a game or just talking and some are in the back not It seems that the things we want to hide are easier done in the dark. I can remember when I lived in Corinth that there was this bridge that everybody wanted to paint. And so they would paint their graffiti on the bridge. Did they do that during the daytime? No. It was right by the school. And, of course, they were under heavy supervision during the day at night. There'd be new artwork there on the bridge. The city decided that they would paint it all white. That was only received as an invitation. (laughs) And there was more artwork on this new canvas that they had available to them. Painted the next night. Petty vandalism, painting street signs, bridges, stealing signs. Rolling yards, egging houses, it's all done in the dark. And there are serious things that are done in the dark. I, I love the special that comes on public TV every once in a while, Eyes on the Prize. Folks in the civil rights movement didn't like to march at night they were much more likely to encounter violence. It was at night that Jimmy Lee Jackson was shot while trying to defend his mother from a beating by law enforcement officers. It was at night that the Reverend James Reeb, a white minister, was fatally struck by a club on the streets of Selma. For some reason... And sometimes, ashamedly so, we feel freer to do our misdeeds in the dark. We all know the reason, because we know, at least we think, that the dark will hide us. Despite the fact that the light has come into the world, we continue to hide behind a variety of masks in order to remain hidden by the dark. There are a lot of things given approval until they are exposed by the light. But our shadiness is exposed by the light, and the light reveals who we really are. It is the bane of any who are exposed in the midst of misconduct. And in that sense, the light is the light of judgment. But generally speaking, many folk who receive the benefit of a Cashier's error <clears throat> might never think about giving the money back. Some students think that cheating is fine, at least until they get caught. And generally speaking, many people will find a way to fudge on their taxes. Then comes the audit, and the light shines on the good and evil. You know, one thing that I through the years have watched is church attendance. And I have seen from time to time that folks have disappeared. And it's always been a difficult sort of thing to face because I know that either it's because of something that I have done or it's because of something that they have done and the light shines too brightly upon them but beyond one's own private thoughts and life a person's character becomes known when you see them in conflict or under pressure or in a hurry or when they're losing and when they're behind the wheel You just haven't lived until you've had one of your own church members flip you off in traffic. (laughs) The goal, friends, is personal integrity. To be the same, no matter who is watching. Whether you're in the dark or in the light. The passage tells us that Christ did not come to judge, but His coming is a judgment in the same way that turning on a light can mean the exposure and conviction of those who prefer darkness because their deeds are evil. For people of integrity, that coming is an occasion for joy and celebration as the light shines. (laughs) Now let me meddle a little bit. It's football season. And I know I watched last night, and some of you folks from Mississippi think, Mississippi State, think that the world is right (laughs) and bright and beautiful this morning. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, I'm glad you came today. (laughs) I really am glad that you came. I think one of the worst tragedies of our culture centers around sports rivalries. I've seen bus windows smashed, adults fighting on football fields, burned homecoming floats, beaten referees, cheerleaders being cussed at, you name it. It's probably at its worst in big college sports, where at times... I've seen some of my own church members at their worst. But I have to say that from time to time, competition has brought out my worst. It's a humbling thing for a preacher to face the light of Christ when he is not displaying Christian behavior. Many... Ties to Millsaps. College. My dad and I followed Millsaps football for most of our lives, remaining loyal fans even when we were on the short end of the ESPN Play of the Year about 15 years ago. Just look up Mississippi Miracle and you'll find it. Twelve years ago, though, I got a phone call from second year head coach Aaron who invited me to serve as a chaplain to the football team. Now, Aaron is not a choir boy, and none of the players that I serve as chaplain are choir boys. But Aaron was as interested in developing young men as he was in developing football players. Hearing that, I was happy to accept week to week means that I'll show up for practice at least one day a week and I'm with the team on game days and I say the prayers before the game and after the game, win or lose. As there are injuries that occur, I contact those players just to make sure they're doing okay, that they can get around campus if they're on crutches, that they're getting all the assistance that they need and that their hearts are not beaten down too badly. This year, it's meant the addition of a spiritual leadership team. I have three players who said, "I'd li- like to be a spiritual encouragement to my teammates." What it looks like in Division Three is different from how it looks in Division One. In the, the philosophies are entirely different in Division One and Two. Players play for the good of the university, where they play. In Division Three, they play to enhance the student experience. And while some of them in other divisions are paid to play, so to speak, they get the free education to support them as they go through their college experience and get an education. Division Three players cannot receive Athletic scholarships, but they play because they love the game. In fact, most of them pay thousands of dollars just to have the opportunity. They want to receive a high level education, they want to find a band of brothers, so to speak, in the team experience. I enjoy doing that, helping to shape and mold young men at some of their most successful and at some of their worst moments. One thing I love to do at the end of a game is to pass by the opposing team after the game is over and speak to coaches and players, congratulating them on their accomplishments. And every time I do that, when I speak to those 20-year-olds, I realize they're just kids who love to play, who want to play their best when the light shines on them, and who want to be good men when their football days are over. But from time to time, We'll run across a year like this year. This has been one of those lean years for the majors. And at times it has seemed dark. But I'm trying to teach our players to not be afraid of the dark. And not to be afraid of the light. And that seldom does a bad season indicate the end of life. Nor does a good season bring a final victory. But a person of character can look beyond the present, the here and now, to see with perspective the impact of the present upon the future. That life will not define them as football players, but rather by the character that they develop as men. They don't need us screaming at them. They just want to play. One of my favorite stories that I remember my dad telling from the pulpit was about a contractor asked by a close friend to build a new house for him. The man paid up front. Just so the contractor could buy the materials, he said, I want the best house you can give me. This is the plan. Here's what I'm looking for. I know you'll do a great. Well, as the contractor realized he had all this money to spend, he said, wow, man, I can, I can really get some good materials here. I can build a great house for my friend." The more he began to think about it, he decided he could make more money if he bought materials that were a little less high quality. A little bit of change in the wiring here, a little bit of change in the quality of the framing wood here. He began to put together this house so that he could benefit more and more. In the end of it all, he and his friend stood before the house and he said, It's done. It's complete. I hope you like it. And his friend said, I hope you like it. This is my gift to you. Friends, when the light comes and shine on your life, what will it show about you? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. A hymn of response is number 103, Immortal, Invisible, Invisible. God only wise. Let us pray that God gives us the wisdom that we need for when the light comes.